I'm Mark Woods. I'm back with another Page One podcast, and today here with Chris Hong, who's covers City Council. If only, how long have you been covering City Council? I think like three years now. You had nothing to write about in those three years. Uh, a few stories every now and then. <laughs> yeah, and they're all really boring, and yeah, I hate doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy run. It has. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today we wanted to talk about uh, as if the saga of Katrina Brown and Reggie Brown. Um, wasn't enough. We have this latest twist in District 10. Um, after they were indicted on fraud charges, Governor Rick Scott suspends them. Um, in District 8, he replaces Katrina Brown with Jacoby Pittman. Um, not much controversy there. No. But in District 10, I guess you can you go you go ahead and explain what's played out in District <laughs> 10. Yeah, this story really has jolted life into the city council beat, which has been very quiet for uh, for about a year. Up until you know the indictments dropped and Governor Scott suspended Reggie and Katrina Brown, and then it got even more interesting when um, you know Governor Scott appointed Terrence Freeman because <laughs> Terrence Freeman lives in Mandarin and he's a Republican, and the Republican part is not that big of a deal. I mean, it's a majority Democratic district. Mm-hmm. He's probably I, I have not researched everything, but I think I can say with like ninety nine percent certainty he is the first Democrat to serve in that district as it exists today. First Republican. So, I mean, he, you know, that yeah. upsets some people. He doesn't represent the interests of most people in that community. He probably would never get elected there. But what really hung up from a legal standpoint was the fact that he lived in Mandarin until, you know, I guess he was appointed on July 7th. It was a Tuesday. And uh, he was still finalizing his residency um, stuff the day he was appointed. And that, um, if you ask the Democrats and uh, Brenda Priestley Jackson, who's suing Governor Rick Scott, that, that is illegal. Right, yeah, we should probably backtrack for folks who don't know, explain where District 10 is. You know, I had to, you know, I, I forget where places are. I kind of had these vague ideas in my head. Sure, so I kind of yeah. did a column, went out and drove from one end to the other. And it, it, it is, um, I try to describe it as almost, it looks almost seahorse shaped. And with the head up uh, kind of northwest Jacksonville up by the Trout River. But, and we, we typically tend to refer to it as northwest Jacksonville, which is, that's kind of where a lot of the, population is and kind of historic heart of it but it extends all the way down to collins road which is almost clay county so it's this yeah it's a long it, di- district yeah it goes out of the west side and um you know which is a very different part of the community than you know northwest jacksonville but i think like you said most of the population is um you know most of the population is in that northwest jacksonville sector of the district Right, it get, it gets. It was interesting how it gets. There's pieces of it as I was driving it that get very industrial. Oh yeah, and then there's other p- parts that are um, almost farm like, and then there's other parts that's still woods. I mean, that's what yeah is kind of fascinating about Jacksonville being such an enormous sure. city by land masses that, and you know, it, probably in some ways a lot of our districts are like that that you can find broad cross-section of of jacksonville within one district which is um what makes it challenging for representation yeah, but yeah absolutely but yeah the uh i think the qualm here is that uh you know it, i don't know how many square miles it is it's probably 15 16 miles long is maybe whatever that is and forty thousand uh voters registered there that couldn't find one who was actually living there when you appointed him. Yeah, that, that seems to be the, the bad thing for Rick Scott in this case is that even though the district does meander and start 
and go across a wide section of the city, it does not go into Mandarin. And so um, that's where <laughs> that's where we have the rub here with this case. Yeah. Um, and so he's renting uh, a couple rooms, is that correct? Yeah, my understanding is he's renting a couple rooms at a single-family residence in, uh, you know, in, a, in District 10, um, kind of more the west side part of that district, more so than the northwest Jacksonville side of the district. Um, which, if he would have done it on Monday and he was appointed on Tuesday, I don't think there would be any standing for this. But the problem is, and here's kind of where like the legal case boils down to, is that the governor announced the appointment of Terrence Freeman on, I think it was July 7th. It was a Tuesday. In that release, in that statement, he said the appointment you know, is effective as of right now. That was like 1030 on that Tuesday morning. Apparently, Terrence had not yet finalized all of his residency requirements, which means signing a lease, changing his voter registration. Hmm. And so the argument is that the appointment was made before he could finish that up. The city's attorney has argued, Jason Gabriel, the city's general counsel, he has argued that the appointment did not begin until Thursday of that week when he was sworn in. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where this comes down to. When did the appointment begin and did it begin before or after he had finished his residency requirements? Because the law says you have to be a resident continuously throughout your entire term. And the way this mm-hmm. is usually handled is that you're voted in some sort of election and you have to live in that district. You have to be a resident 183 days before the qualifying for that election. So that requirement kind of clears up any ambiguity. As long as you meet the requirement 183 days, there's no moving in right before the election day. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty spelled out in the law. The problem is this is just such a weird circumstance where no one really knows when the appointment started or no one can. I guess that's what the case is going to do. It's going to argue. It's going to decide when did that appointment begin mm-hmm. and was he a residency when that happened. Right. And um, explain why the, the the governor makes this decision for a you know a city from so across the state. Is it because he's also the one responsible for the suspensions? Why is the governor the person who appoints um, the, the the replacements? Yeah, I mean, I think I, mean, I don't know why that that's the way the law is written, but the law is written that way. If someone there, and there's a host of reasons why the governor can suspend somebody. In this case, he can suspend somebody who's been accused or, you know, indicted, you know, on, you know, felony charges that happened. He exercised that power and the state law says that he has the right to, you know, appoint a replacement for that person either until their term ends or the charges against that person have been settled, whether they're dropped or found innocent. And in that case, they can resume, you know, they could take office again. Um, So... It's interesting. What could have happened here is that Reggie and Katrina Brown, they could have they could have resigned. Mm-hmm. And if that would have happened, then there would have had to have been a special election. Hmm. Or they could have just decided to wait until next March to fill those two seats. But they waited it out. I'm sure there were somebody in the Democratic Party who said, hey, you guys need to step down. But, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't. And now the ball's in the governor's court. And, you know, that's been a criticism by the local GOP is that when you, um, you know, when your party loses a seat, especially in this case because they got federally ind- because the council member got indicted on felony charges you kind of see your i guess right to complain about the governor putting who he wants in there and i think there's that i think that would be a totally valid argument if um Terrence Freeman's residency wasn't in question you know the governor gets to decide he can put a republican a democrat whoever he wants in there that's his prerogative 
I do think that there, there, this is a question. I don't know who, who's right, who's wrong. I think it's a big enough question that it needs to be just like that we need an answer on this. Does mm-hmm. the guy, is he a resident or is he not? Is he qualified to serve as a council member? I think that's a completely valid question to ask, and I look forward to hearing the answer on it. Yeah. And, and then aside from that, I guess, tell people who, who is Terrence Freeman. What, what, you know, what was he doing before? We'll explain. Yeah, so Terrence Freeman, um, he worked shortly for the um, political arm of Jack's Chamber. I think it's like a – he did something. That's the arm of the Jack's Chamber that you know, donates money to candidates, endorses candidates, interviews them. And then 2015, he started working for Councilman Aaron Bowman, who's now the council president. He was council aide, and he did that up until July seventh, July of last year. And he worked for this company called Y Green Energy, and that's a company, from my understanding, is that they um, they loan money to people for like home improvement projects and I guess energy efficiency projects. And I think in some counties in Florida, what they can do is. They lend the money, and then they can put a lien on the house. And if the people don't pay back for that project, they can force a foreclosure. And that's how, you know, hmm. I don't think it works like that in Duval County, but that's I, my understanding. That's the business model. Um, and then there's kind of a question of, you know, does he work there or not? The company says he didn't. The governor's office said he did. Uh, so I would stay tuned on that. We're <laughs> hoping to get an answer on that really quickly. Right. Um, and obviously from Tallahassee, I'm, I'm sure Governor Scott doesn't know who Terrence Freeman is. You know, it's not, or in, in <laughs> same situation in another city. Yeah, he's not like a big league scout with a list of all his uh, single and double A recruits. What I imagine happened is that um, you know, the mayor was probably asked, you know, who do you, who would you like to see here? Do you have any suggestions? And either the mayor um, told Terrence to apply, or Terrence had told the mayor he applied. You know, him and Councilman Bowman are. You know, they're close political allies, um, and I think that Terrence and Aaron Bowman are still close. I think his daughters said the Pledge of Allegiance at uh, his installment as council president. Hmm. So, I mean, look, that's how politics works. There's nothing illegal or wrong about that. I mean, you could make an argument that you know maybe the governor should have put in a Democrat because that represents the majority of the people in that district. But, I mean, this is politics. I mean, that's... You know, if a Democratic governor could figure out a way to put a Democrat in Mandarin, I'm sure they would be working to how to figure that out. You know, so again, the problem I see here is the residency question. Right. Yeah. I mean, not only, it, if, well, from a legal standpoint, but then, you know, I guess it would be different from a, a perception and reaction if, for instance, this had been somebody who. What up? Grew up in District Ten and lived there for quite a while, and years and years moved away, and wanted to go back and represent a place that they had lived in before. But this, he has never lived there, so right. Just you know, just you're not going to have the knowledge of a place you don't live in unless you lived there at some point. Sure, so, I mean that that is a, a big argument people are making, not necessarily in court, but just you know when you talk to them, is like this isn't a guy who really knows this place at all. Um, again, if you had grew up here and moved out and wanted to come back, it might be a difference. So I still think people would would have criticized it. I will I will give Terrence um, a little bit of credit though. Um, I think he <laughs> acknowledges the reality that he doesn't know that area very well. And I've seen on the internet, and he's told me that he's you know trying to get out and do town halls and talk to people and you know. So I think you know give him a little credit. He's trying to learn the neighborhood, or at least it seems like he's trying to learn the neighborhood and learn about the residents and hear from them. And I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, if 
if he's genuine in that endeavor and he does that, I think there's no reason to see why the residents wouldn't be well served by that. And still doesn't. It still leaves the question of is he eligible to serve up in the air? But right, yeah, you know, give the guy some credit for that. He's not just sitting in his office and it, it seems like he's actually trying to learn about the district. Right. Yeah. When I've you know written about it and when our editorial page had a very strong editorial, um, I think the the pounding of the fist has not been, you know, the darn Terrence Freeman. Right, it's, yeah. it's been, uh, it's been more um, the governor's office, whoever was involved locally, um, you know, that they would think it would be okay to have a representative of a district that wasn't living there. Um, to quote Terrence Freeman's predecessor, Reggie Brown, this is a line he used more times than I could ever tell you. It's about the process. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard that late into the night, and because that wor- those words were said, that I had to stay at City Hall for another hour. But uh, and you know, in this case, it is about the process. <laughs> yeah, Maybe right. Reggie Brown is smiling somewhere. You're right. <laughs> um, you mentioned him, and he is he is getting out and about quickly. Do you think he can win over the District Ten residents? I, I think he could if he is genuine about his desires to learn about what their problems are. Um, I, I think he could be a fine representative. I don't think he would, I don't think you could get reelected in that district. It's just, I think too, this is the partisan politics. It's just like the numbers don't work. It's like a Democrat could step in for John Rutherford and do a fine job in Congress. He's never going to win or she would never win election. Mm-hmm. There's just no chance in hell. It's just the numbers don't work. It's just, I think it's like 63% Democrat and Right, yeah. less than twenty percent. Yeah, Republican. So I just don't know how you get over that. But you know, like, there's only so much a council member can do for their neighborhood. I mean, the way the city works, it's all con- really controlled by the mayor. They a- get to act as a check, but you know, as a council member, he's one of nineteen checks. Um, he certainly has a good reputation. I think that speaks to his ability to make relationships with powerful people, and uh, that's certainly a good way to advocate for your district. So, yeah, I-, I think he's you know he also doesn't have very much time. He's got less than a year. So, um, again, I, I think if he's genuine in, his, in what he said, that he wants to get to know the district, I think the residents are probably in, in good hands. Um, the question is, do they deserve someone who actually lives there or who is a resident of that right. area and whether or not he's eligible to serve? Well, yeah, and I can tell you, I went out the day he was being sworn in and went up to, as I said, drove around, went to the Legend Center, the, the park there. Oh, yeah. And um, there was a bunch of guys walk every morning and and kind of old timers all retired uh i think the youngest was 68 or something but they were under their 80s and uh, they're skeptical to say the least uh <laughs> one of them even said they tell you this now if he runs for a re-election he's, he's you know he's not yeah. getting elected and um so you know they may i think when you meet somebody face to face it 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 you know you can you can win people over and change that but you know, he's going to have to do an awful lot of that to convince people that he truly is is, is representing them. But yeah, no, you're totally right. He's starting from behind just because of his political and, um, you know, former status as a Mandarin resident. Um, also, when, you know, when Mark told me that story about going out to the Legend Center, I thought it was really cool that, like, just some ordinary people knew what was going on. I mean, I, I kind of operate under the assumption that a lot of people have no clue what's going on in City Hall. I, think, I don't think that's specific to Jacksonville. It's like local government just doesn't really get a lot of attention. So yeah. for you to just go out any given day, 
these weren't like insiders. These weren't former officials. These weren't, you know, community. I mean, it sounds like they're just ordinary people. And for them to like know exactly what was going on, that, that put a smile on my face. That made me happy. Uh, they not only knew now, they'd like talk about such and such a, a politician promised this years ago. And then we had this that was wow. supposed to happen. And the money ended up going here and there. Um, and, and they were they're they're funny. I, yeah. you know, I think when I wrote that column, I said Taryn Freeman could do worse than if he wants to learn that area than yeah. going up and meeting them for a walk because they were uh, they were entertaining. But they knew they knew their district and knew the history. And um, so, yeah, definitely um, an interesting group. Yeah. And then I tried to also put together a District 10 quiz. Asking, I was going to say, I was trying to pull it up on my phone. I want to take it on the pocket. We'll see how well I do. <laughs> oh, geez, do you I have it in front of you? I don't have all of okay, it in front of me. I'm going to try to pull it up. But. I mean, I have a few here that I, I – let's see. I do have a few. Um, I could throw out some samples. Okay, let's hear it. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's kind of good. Um, which of these neighborhoods is not in District 10? A, Sherwood Forest. B, Carver Manor. C, Biltmore. D, McGirt's Creek. E. Del Rio. Hmm. Can you say that again? Sherwood Forest, Carver Manor, Bilt, Biltmore, um, McGirt's Creek, Del Rio. McGirt's Creek. That is it McGirt's Creek? That's a good guess because that one's way in the southern edge. Okay. I purposely put one that's almost okay. down down by Clay County. Trick to me. Del, yes, it's a trick question. Kind so of. What's the answer? Del Rio. It's in Mandarin. Ah, okay. <laughs> Um, let's see. I'll see if I can find another one. Uh, um, let's see. I have it up in front of me now. Okay. Which which highway does not run through District 10? I-95, I-295, US-1, I-10. US-1. Nope. US what? One, US-1 cuts. Oh, I guess 10's the border, right? 10 or? goes straight across. Ah. It, 295 kind of goes north-south. Um, US one kind of comes through diagonally, but I ninety five. Oh, I ninety five runs east of it in the okay. in the um, neighboring district. Damn, I suck at this. Is it, is it eight that's neighboring? Um, you know, a lot of people. I got emails this morning going through, and people kept saying they 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 flunked, but they they enjoyed trying. Uh, <laughs> but then I got an email from somebody in Atlanta that said they used to live in the north side, and they they got an A on it. But they aced it, it. But they uh, they said it really brought back a lot of. Fun maybe memories. He, maybe he should have applied to. Um, yeah. To um, so I'll, yeah, this breath. was like the kind of things I talked to people who had lived there um, or do live there. So I, one of the questions was: one of the people who who wanted to represent District Ten has childhood memories of getting orange juice and Fritos every Sunday after church at a drive-in, a drive-through at the corner of Sutel and Seabolt. Um, what used to be on that corner? A Seven Eleven, B Sonic. <laughs> C Starbucks, D Skinner's Milk House. Skinner's Milk House. Yeah, that's, that's an easy one. Yeah, that's and that's one that people all over town know. Um, they had these. It, it predates. I vaguely remember some of the remnants of them, but um, these they had these distinctive kind of pitched butterfly roofs, and they were all the many. Most of them were the same color, uh-huh. um, but they were. Um, so I think people all over town have, have memories of those, but there was one in particular um, there in that area. Um, let's see. Was there any? I have, you want to just go down the list of my phone? <laughs> we, we, this will be a long podcast yeah. if we, uh, we go, but I can. <laughs> um, uh, what body of water forms one border of District 10? should get this one. A, Trout River, B, Atlantic Ocean, C, Lake Oke- Okeechobee, D, 
D. Julington Tree Creek. <laughs> that was easy. That's that was that's the first question. Yeah, right, Trout River. Yes, that's on the north edge, a little okay. patch of it. Uh, already did the highway one. Um, okay, which of these is the name of a street in District Ten? A. Cinderella Road. B. Snow White Drive. <laughs> C. Peter Pan Place. <laughs> D. Orange Picker Road. The D. It's kind of a. If you're, if I'd phrased it not, you're probably that's what you're thinking. It was a trick question. Three of them, three of them are oh, the, the first okay. three. And Orange Picker is Mandarin. Okay. I kind of was being little my little okay. snarky putting in Mandarin things, but um, yeah, there's that little neighborhood in the West Side that has all these uh, kind of Disney-like street names. I that's think weird. Sandy Strickland has done a call box about it, but there's Snow White, <laughs> Peter Pan. So uh, and that happens to fall in District Ten. Stumped again. Yeah. Uh, this one's probably which of these barbecue restaurants is a generation old gathering spot for <coughs> District 10 residents Mojo in Avondale Bono's on Beach Boulevard Woody's on University Boulevard Jenkins, Jenkins Quality Barbecue on New Kings Road Jenkins yeah that one's pretty easy That's a, <laughs> Jenkins is a kind of an iconic spot this one I, I didn't didn't know um, what do you call frozen Kool-Aid in a plastic cup um, frozen cup Freeze pop, lily dilly, honey dripper. Oh, is it honey dripper? It is, and Ooh, I guess I guess really good. I guess lily dilly is a is an I think it's Alabama thing. Okay, and freeze pop is somewhere else, but honey dripper is def, definitely kind of a Northwest Jacksonville thing. That, okay, um, this one's an easy one. Who plays in the Northwest Classic? I put Portland and Seattle, <laughs> Pensacola and Dustin. Rains and bowls, rains and rebolt. Rains and rebolt. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a side I know you do you have a team that you root for usually in that classic? I I don't. Although I've been I think I've been to Reigns you know, when I was a sports player, I've been to Reigns probably more often than Rebolt. Yeah. And you know, they, I didn't include it, but Reigns has the Bob Hayes invitational, which right. is yeah. actually that should be the if where's the best barbecue, it should be the, the Bob Hayes, Bob Hayes Invitational, just all over oh, the place. Uh, yeah, that, that is uh, the, the the best smelling uh, sporting event, probably. <laughs> um, uh, who do you think of when you hear the name Jimmy Johnson? Former football coach, now part of Fox pregame show, a NASCAR driver, Dwayne Johnson, because those skyscraper ads are everywhere, um, or the, D, the longest serving principal at Reigns High School. Hmm, this is really hard. Uh, <laughs> Maybe A, but I'm going to go with D. Yeah, D. <laughs> he was principal from 79 to 95. Let me, let me see if I can find Well, uh, this is kind of an example of how sprawling it is. Um, um, there's a West Side High School is located in District 10, so there's there's other high schools beyond Reigns. Rebald is right outside the district. Um, what is the former name of West Side High School? It was oh, God. controversy. I don't know if it oh, uh, debate. Forest High School. Yeah, I said A East Side, B South Side, C Forest with one R, like a, <laughs> like my name Woods, or a D Forest with two R's, which is uh, obviously the correct answer. Nathan yeah. B uh, Forest High um, change in twenty fourteen. Um, this one I kind of found kind of fun. Who who did not graduate from that high school? Oh, this will be a good one. A Scott Spiker, a Navy pilot whose plane was shot down on the first night of Operation Desert Storm. Um, B, Alan Collins, Leonard Skinner, guitarist. 
see Gene Deckerhoff, radio broadcaster for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Florida State Seminoles, or D, Harriet Beecher Stowe, author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, God. I feel like an idiot here. Um, Harriet Beecher Stowe, she's not from Jack. Is she from Jacksonville? Okay. Yeah. I was going to make sure. I was like, God, that would be sound like an idiot if she was, and I didn't know that. No, she's a, she's a, the reason I include that one is because she's she's Mandarin is her kind of through and through legacy is is that's where she she's not from here originally, so she okay. didn't, she didn't go to any high. But she lived in Mandarin. Yeah, that's oh, where. Wow. Yeah, there's a Harriet Beecher Stowe house down there, and there's um there's lots of and so there's all those Uncle Tom's cabins roots are mm-hmm. um, that is one of those things we probably. Sh- should play up a lot more in our history but i had no idea yeah um let's see um let's see i made a classic non-resident mistake the other day when driving on pritchard road what did i do wrong a got caught in a speed trap b went the wrong way on a one-way street c asked siri for direction to moncrief only to end up in mandarin (laughs) d got stuck waiting 15 minutes for a train yeah d yeah uh, a couple of residents told me that you know, they now know that there's a couple spots where there's overpasses that get uh-huh. over the train. But if you go down such and such spot on Pritchard, you're, and you'll get stuck for 15, 20 minutes, which is exactly what I did. So they Pritchard told me. Pritchard Road train has nothing on the San Marcos. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so that's that was pretty pretty much it. I think I'm getting married in District 10. I think there's a. That's right. I should far, bro- Now, I don't know if that's in a different part because I think a lot of those districts kind of touch out in the rural areas but there's a congaree pen farm out there it's um it's in northwest jacksonville like it is it is the sticks i don't know if that's district 10 or district 8 but um i probably should figure that <laughs> that'd out. that'd be a fun twist i'll give you one last one the one i ended it with okay. um several people told me this in the 1980s what was the popular saturday night hangout for teenagers in district 10 a the avenues mall B, the little train at Mandarin, <laughs> C, Bowl America, or D, Skate City. Skate City. Yep. And the reason I included that one was partly because of who owned it. It was, um, and again, these aren't things I know that people tell me, but people in District 10 would know this, um, uh, people on the north side. Harold J. Gibson was one of the country's first black paratroopers and became the city's first black mayoral aide. And then in 1979 was a city council member, and he later ran for mayor. Um, and when he died in 2016, he was remembered for his advocacy for the community, how strongly he advocated for that area. Oh, that's interesting. And for helping to, because of that, he was able to help stave off unrest when MLK was shot. Um, and he, he um, and that unsuccessful run for mayor. But he, the obit talks about how one of his favorite legacies was that skate city because it just felt like it gave generations of kids and families a place to go in the neighborhood so i thought that was kind of that's cool touching so good quiz um so yes thanks for bringing up giving the quiz a plug and people can people (laughs) can go online on jacksonville.com to uh to take the quiz and to read chris's stories that he's already done and uh, i have a feeling there may be more coming in the future stay tuned all right thanks a lot thanks mark Thanks. mark